Amen, amen. All right, church, hey, if you have a Bible, go ahead and grab that and turn with me to the book of Exodus. We're going to be in chapter 18 here this morning. Um, And as you turn there, I just want to uh, invite you into prayer on something. So uh, myself, uh, John Cox Jr., who is our discipleship group's director, uh, and then Olivia Hogan, who is a wonderful and healthy member of the body of Christ here, uh, we are going to be heading to uh, India here on Friday uh, to hopefully pave the way for our church to go and serve in 2023. Uh, And so when I ask for prayer on that, because Um, uh, We found out a couple of weeks back that there is some persecution that has uh, arrived in our area um, that we were going to go and serve. So therefore, we've been moved uh, really, really far away from that area. Now, there's there's great fruit in us still going, uh, but just be praying for those pastors there, for the Christians there, um, as they are having to endure uh, these trials and tribulations uh, from the enemy, and just be praying, too, uh, that we could just still be effective. Uh, we believe in going over there still because of the light will dominate the darkness. Amen? And so, uh, listen, when we go on these pre-trips and mission trips, we uh, are not going just to enjoy the culture. We aren't just going to enjoy the food, but truly going to glorify God by making disciples. And so I want to invite you into praying for us in that. Uh, And so looking forward to going there on Friday. Now, Exodus 18, here today focusing in on wisdom people. Wisdom people. I'm sure everyone in here has someone in their life that they can point to and say that that person has been a point of wisdom for me. I think about uh, someone in my life who has just been pivotal over the last 10 to 15 years. His name is Dr. Ed Gomes. If I can uh, describe Dr. Ed, uh, I would say he is a skinny version of Mr. Potato Head from Toy Story. Like literally looks the same. I I mean, it's unbelievable. Bald head, the stash, it's amazing. and uh, so he was the football chaplain at Liberty. And so when I was a freshman there, you know, I was taken aback at, at just uh, his desire to want to uh, walk with me, to want to disciple me for the glory of God. Uh, and the most intentional man, and I knew some great men up until that point, the most intentional man that I had ever met. And I'm just honored. And the impact that he had on me was, was incredible. So when I went off to college, I was at an inflection point in my faith. Uh, you know, I believe where I went would have really determined uh, how my life would have turned out. And so going to Liberty was somewhat intentional. And then Dr. Gomes just pouring into me was the biggest, biggest blessing to the point to where I found myself uh, praying with, leading prayer times for our team, leading Bible studies, uh, trying to disciple and connect with, with teammates on the regular. And then it even impacted me to such a place to where I found myself uh, in biblical studies classes, uh, then where I found myself called to ministry, but not to be a pastor and definitely not to preach. God is funny, isn't he? So, um, you know, just this man made an impact. He made an impact on me. This wise man knew what God was calling him to do and loving and serving me and many others so that we can get our highest and best for the glory of God. And so as we look inside of this passage here today, we are going to see God send a wisdom person to benefit Moses and to benefit many others. And so the goal is to walk away today understanding that wisdom people that God sends us is a blessing that is meant to multiply from them to us and then to many others. 
And so if our sermon was in a nutshell, it would simply be this, that wisdom people declare themselves to God and guide those who do the same. Dr. Gomes was a spitting image of this. And the person that we're going to see in this text, he also does this. And so we're going to uh, confirm this main point through two other points. And before we dive into it, I feel the need to pray to ask for the Lord's help that he would just show us where we are to go with this today. So let's, let's pray and let's invite the Lord into this time. Father, um, Lord, you are so good. And even just singing songs like, like the great I am, God, I'm so thankful that you are and we are not. Uh, Lord, we are horrible gods, terrible gods. But Lord, you are the one true, almighty, sovereign, or you are Yahweh. You are God, and we thank you for that. And so, Lord, uh, present yourself to that, uh, to us in that manner this morning. May you be glorified. May we only see you and only you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're taking notes, the first thing that I would love for you to write down is on the screen. Wisdom people, first and foremost, declare God as the one true God. First and foremost, they declare God as the one true God. Uh, and so I want to read verses 1 through 7 where we begin to see this with a man by the name of Jethro. So Jethro, the priest of Midian... Moses' father-in-law heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Now Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, had taken Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her home, along with her two sons. The name of the one was Gershom, for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land, and the name of the other, Elizer. For he said, the God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness where he was encamped at the mountain of God. And when he sent word to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons with her, Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. And they asked each other, of their welfare and went into the tent. And so what we see here is this re-encountering with this man by the name of Jethro. And so if you were here earlier in the series, uh, we, we encountered Zipporah uh, and Jethro back in chapters 2 and chapters 3 when Moses went to the land of Midian uh, to meet uh, and then to finally make Zipporah his, his wife. And they had one child at the time who stayed with Jethro when Moses went back to Egypt. Uh, and so Moses, we see him here in verses 1 through 7. He reconnects with his family to learn that the word of God has spread, to learn that the things that the Lord has done has spread all throughout the land. And so to us, uh, that should be just great proof that when God is doing this thing, nothing can stop it from spreading. Amen. And so our God is a powerful God, and it went to this man, this Midianite, by the name of Jethro. And Moses, we see in verse 7, this, this, uh, this level of excitement for the two of them to see each other. And I believe Moses was excited to see Jethro because, one, he knew that the word had got to Jethro and that it impacted Jethro, and then that the Lord is working on Jethro's heart. 
Why do I say the Lord is working on Jethro's heart? Let's keep reading here. Verse 8. It says, Then Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had come upon them and the way and how the Lord had delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced for all the good that the Lord had done to Israel and that he had delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians. And so what we see here in verse 8 is a level of Jethro worshiping the Lord. So Jethro had finally got the opportunity to connect with Moses to hear all of the details of the things that the Lord had done for the sake of Israel instead of hearing it by word of mouth. So just imagine these two people in the same tent and they're talking. And so Moses is just recounting to Jethro how the Lord had parted the Red Sea uh, and how the Israelites were able to walk through on dry ground and just telling him all the details behind that and how the Lord had engulfed the Egyptians in the sea. How good is our God? And how Moses was able uh, to, to tell Jethro how, how the staff that he held in his hand was a judgment against anyone that opposed God and his people. And so as he pointed it towards water, uh, water turned to blood. As he threw it on the ground, it became a snake. I'm sure Jethro definitely did not want to see that happen during that moment in time. And as he held it up during the war against the Amalekites, uh, how the Israelites had victory. The staff was a judgment against the people who opposed God. I'm sure that Moses told Jethro, hey, man, God provided for us as we were in the wilderness, as we were hungry, as we were thirsty. God gave us all of this. So Jethro, for the first time here in from Moses' mouth, all that God had done for Israel. And so what did that lead Jethro to do? Jethro, verse 9, it says Jethro did what? He, come on church, Jethro, he, there you go, confidence, one last time. Jethro, he, amen, he rejoiced over all the things that God had done. So, and this is also a pretty big deal here. Because what we got to come to understand is that Jethro was a Midianite who worshiped and sacrificed to many other gods. These people opposed Yahweh. They had their own gods. Jethro was also a priest, a public figure for the Midianites. And so there was really no realm for him to want to follow the Lord. But yet in this, he hears what God has done and he rejoices. And it's amazing how God just simply revealed himself to the nations through the judgment of a dominant power in Egypt. And it spread all throughout the land. And Jethro was wise enough to hear it and to respond by rejoicing over what God has done. And may we be a people, church. May we be a people who always rejoice over the details, big or small. All right, family member has cancer. The Lord heals them. Let's not rejoice over keto. Let's rejoice over God doing that for them. All right, uh, let's say a um, small matter here, but we are lacking on money to pay the light bill. Uh, the Lord provides the money to pay uh, for the light bill. Maybe rejoice uh, to God over that. A wayward child, which some of you are going through right now, uh, you so desire for them to know the Lord and the Lord brings them back. Man, let's rejoice to God over these matters. So may we always rejoice to how good our God is. And so Jethro rejoices, and that rejoicing leads him to a wonderful, wonderful place 
that I feel like the text can bring out for us. Let's read verse 10. Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods because in this affair they dealt arrogantly with the people. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. And so this, these three verses, they are a big, big deal. Because Jethro now demonstrates that he went from Midianite priest, sacrificing to idols, probably detesting Yahweh to now being a follower of Yahweh. And I believe he acknowledges this in two ways, shows this in two ways. The first way is in confession. Why do I say that? You look at verse 11, and he makes this really, really big statement. And it says, now I know. And so up until this point, okay, uh, in chapters 1 through 17, and I would encourage you to go back and study this yourself, but in chapters 1 through 17, you would see a phrase very similar to, to what, what Jethro was saying here about now I know that the Lord uh, is, is God, the Lord is Lord. But you would see the phrase uh, being more so future tense, them saying, or excuse me, God saying that, that I am doing this so that people will know that I am the Lord. And so this is the first time that we see an outsider um, away from Israel saying, now I know that the Lord is the Lord. Isn't our God good? Come on, church. Isn't he good? Because he can do that to the unbeliever. Those who we think have no hope to follow Jesus. I'm going way off script here. Lord, help me. But man, like, but, but those who, who have no hope to follow Jesus, man, he will turn their heart. The same way we see this for this man who where it may have seemed impossible for him to know the Lord. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods. And so Jethro being who he is, is now following and loving the Lord. And so wisdom people, first and foremost, declare God as the one true God. And then in verse 12, we see him acknowledge this, not through just confession, but through action. Let's read verse 12 again. And it says, And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. And so Jethro here is acknowledging that God is his God through action. And this is just him confirming that he is a follower. So burnt offerings is the Israelite custom of worshiping God, and it also atones for past sins, welcoming him into the family of God. And then this making the sacrifices uh, was a process to be sure to cover for any issues in approaching Yahweh. Because you had to do a lot of things to approach to be in the presence of God. And so him making sacrifices cleansed that for him. And then we see this meal take place with him and the leaders of Israel. And so Jethro, he ate a covenant meal with other worshipers in the presence of God, of Yahweh, which signified his formal admission 
into Israel. And, and so praise God for that, that this brother was able to say, man, God, I want to follow you. And praise God that we had a sacrifice made on our behalf through the person of Jesus Christ who allows us admittance uh, into the kingdom of God so that we can be a part of his church. We can be a part of his love, the body of Christ. Jesus lived the perfect life to die a sinner's death on the cross where he bled, he suffered, he felt the full wrath of God on him. For whose sake? For our sake. For that every deplorable thing that we do, we have been forgiven by putting faith in Christ, by making Jesus the Lord of our life and following him. And so Jethro was wise enough to hear all that God had done for him and submit to it. May we be wise enough to hear all that Christ has done for us and submit to it because wisdom people first and foremost declare God as the one true God. I had uh, uh, two really close friends in middle and high school. Uh, and, and I mean, we just did life together. Unfortunately though, we were uh, uh, on two different paths. So I lost one of them, um, what we believe to be a drug overdose uh, one or two years back. Uh, and then the other one, um, this pleasure, which turned to be drugs, became his God. That became his idol. That was his one true God. Uh, and it, and it, it ruled over his life until the point where he lost his lady. He lost his two children. Uh, uh, obviously, he lost our other friend to that reality. And so he hit this, he hit this point to where he needed to repent he needed to turn away from that, and he had to decide because Jesus was being spoken to him. I shared the gospel with him. His family loves the Lord. They share Christ with him. Uh, so he knows, and he came to a point to where he's like, okay, like I'm seeing the destruction that these drugs are causing to my family, to my life, to everything. Am I going to trust and follow this Jesus who has appeared to be so good and that everybody loves, or am I going to continue to just enjoy this temporary pleasure? And so praise God, as of now, he's a year plus sober from all of that, and he has given his life over to Jesus. And so God, amen, thank you, thank you. And so for him to get to a point to make that decision, God is good, and, I'm a, and he's gonna be the one true God that I just place in my life. And just trust them to handle everything else. Wisdom people, first and foremost, declare God as the one true God. Now, for us in the room, where do we need to stand firm as God is over all other gods? May, you know, is money your God? Does your work promote that for you? Is that a battle for you? For my middle, my high school, my college students, is, is status a God for you? an idol that, that makes you do these deplorable things. May we remember and stand firm and trust that our God is over all of these other gods of money, status, drugs. And so we see that in Jethro. But not only do we see Jethro step into godly wisdom, but we see him put that godly wisdom to action by helping Moses. And if you're familiar with Scripture, you know what's coming, but this big problem that Moses has. 
that could eventually lead to his destruction, which is why it's important that we dive into this second point here on the screen. It is wisdom people help guide us as we help guide others. Okay? Wisdom people help guide us as we help guide others. And I'm going to be the annoying pastor who quickly takes this point off the screen before you're done writing. Sorry. Because we have a sub-point that is going to help us uh, discover more of this. And that is three ways that wisdom people guide. Okay? Three ways that wisdom people guide. We're going to talk through, through these three things uh, that, will, uh, uh, that will bring more fruit to, more meat to wisdom people helping guide us as we guide others. But I would love to talk through this because this should uh, really encourage us and hopefully equip us. But the first way that we see wisdom people guiding is through wise observation. Okay? And so as you write that down, I want to read verses 13 through 16 over you. The next day, Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me and I decide between one person and another. And I make them know the statutes of God and his law. So wisdom people, they give wise observation. And so what we see here from Jethro uh, is that he watched, he observed Moses and how he was going about handling all of these people. And he listened. He watched and he listened. He didn't jump into it and start acting, right? He watched. He listened to someone who he cared about doing something for a God that he cared about. And listen, we all know the people, those people who are the, I'm not going to listen. I'm not going to observe. I'm not going to ask you anything, but they just jump into the problem and start trying to fix it. I will speak for the majority of us in it the majority of us in this room, for those of you in here who are the jump in and just start fixing, listen, hey, I love you, but you are super annoying, okay? Uh, geez, like, you know, it's, it's hard to work with people like that and much better serves the party by, hey, you observe, you listen, and we see Jethro do that and his wisdom showed. And so after he observed, we see Jethro uh, give wise correction. So, and we get that from verses 17 and 18. Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you are doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. So, some here will hear, Jet, they will hear Jethro and they will be offended you know, they will say, wow, like, why is he so direct? Like, that's so rude. But, but Jethro, what I love about him here is that he is lovingly blunt and he is super clear because Jethro understands what Moses, the task that he's taking on here. So Moses, as he counsels all of these people, it's important for us to understand that he is sitting with 600,000 men, uh, including women and children. That's a lot of people. 
For you to be sitting here and chatting with, listen, like on my most introverted of days, 12 people is enough for me, dog. Like, I mean, dude, I am, I am done after that. And, you know, so just imagine Moses being here. That's why Jethro had to be lovingly blunt and lovingly clear because he cared for him. And he said, man, you and the people, verse 18, you and the people will certainly wear yourselves out for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Jethro cared for Moses. Therefore, he gave the correction. I have a little two-year-old boy as Jesse Sherman. I think the best way to, to you know, to, to describe Camden, his name is Camden. Uh, Jesse Sherman says he's a big old chungus. And uh, <laughs> like, he is a hoss. And, and bless his heart, he just wants to help all the time. And, you know, and there's moments where he's trying to help. So for example, doing laundry, he'll just go and just grab the laundry basket and just start picking it up and put like, bro, why are you so strong? And you know, but like, but I'm like, dude, like you need to be careful because you will hurt yourself. But for him and his words to me is like, no daddy, stop, I got it. I'm like, but, but you will hurt yourself. And, you know, so, we're, so I'm looking from the outside in, uh, just trying to give him some wise correction, similar to how Jethro was looking down at Moses, even though Moses probably thought he had it. He said, hey, no, you don't have it. And you need to change before you destroy yourself. And so Jethro, in his wisdom, gives wise correction. But I also love that he did not just state the problem then leave him hanging, but he gave him this third thing, wise direction. And so verse 19. Now, obey my voice. I will give you advice, and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. And you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe. And place such men over the people as chiefs of hundreds of thousands of fifties and of tens. And let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you. But any small matter, they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure, and all the people also will go to their place in peace. And so we see the wise direction that, that Jethro gives to Moses uh, begin with him saying, Hey, just hey, obey my voice, because you obeying my voice will allow for God to be with you. And for us in the room, as we give people wisdom, may it be motivated out of us pointing them to God as a source of help. Because the more we try to say, hey, hey, you can do this, and you're strong enough, and you're powerful enough, man, that is just uh, uh, motivating them to fail. We weren't designed to go off of our own strength, but wise direction, hey, God will be with you. And I even love the practical advice that, that Jethro gives to Moses in light of expanding his team and having a quality team and then giving people ownership too over small matters. Let them figure it out. He says, hey, if there's a small matter, hey, you two together can figure all of this stuff out. 
And that's important even for us in this room, right? Uh, uh, the people of God should be able to handle disputes like the people of God. And I know uh, that some of you in here have beef with other people. Figure it out the way that Christians were called to figure it out. Not all this gossip, not in all this, this arguing and, you know, and fighting, but with grace and love and truth. And so I love how he gives that, gives them the direction that they needed to know. And then, then the result of this is that people will go to their place in peace. And so I ask you all in this room, where do you need to heed to wise observation, wise correction, wise direction? Where may you need to give that to someone? I'm so thankful uh, for a ministry leader in my life, uh, you know, so we got back from a big project, uh, and 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 you know he invites me out to lunch, and even in how he stated it, I just appreciate uh, his observation because I knew he's been watching me over a long period of time, and he was like, you know, hey, I have some have some uh, some some constructive criticism for you, and I've been watching you for a long time. Wise observation, and then he goes into correcting me. And he begins a sentence by, dude, you're doing a horrible job. No, I'm joking, that was a joke, but tough crowd. Ali, thanks for the uh, pity laugh, I appreciate it. Um, no, but just truly just sat and just gave me some good correction on what could for the glory of God just you know, best uh, serve his kingdom well. And then gave me practical ways to go about that. And for me, a young man, I'm in my 30s, like, I appreciate that and I will never forget that. And so how can we be people in this church who receive and give these things well for the furtherment, for the betterment of the kingdom of God? And so I want to just, before we close here, I want to just, uh, just speak practically to this, to two different parties in the room. And I want to start with the older people, those who are a lot wiser than many of us in here. You know, there's a lot of life that you have lived. And I would encourage you to not hold that back from the 20-somethings in the room and the 30-somethings in the room. I believe God has gifted you to live the long life that you have to be a blessing to many. And I just want to encourage us uh, to stop uh, just dogging on the next generation and start helping them become who God has designed them to be. And so let's step into that older people. And I know it's uncomfortable. I know it's tough, but, but we want to hear from you, okay? And then for my younger folks in the room, my high school, middle school, 20-somethings, my 30-somethings, I want to encourage you that if you have a wise person leading you, be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to become angry, for anger does not produce the righteousness of God. And this is coming from a man who, for a long time in his life, and at times it can rear its ugly head, I can be quick to speak, quick to anger, and slow to listen. And the times that I have listened, God has worked. And I would even just encourage the younger group in this room too, let's work to not be sensitive. Because my age group and under, we could tend to be a bit more sensitive. Let's put on that thick skin, those scales. Let's be tough and let's receive it because it's for our good and for God's glory.
And so wisdom people declare themselves to God and guide those who do the same. And so my prayer for us as we close is that our wisdom people will step out and that for those who need to receive the wisdom, that we will step into that. Uh, and so before the band plays, let's just go to the Lord asking for these things. Father, thank you for your word. And God, and thank you for wisdom people. They are a blessing. And as you send them our way, Lord, just let us embrace them. Let us step into those relationships. And God, I pray that this church would just be full of discipleship relationships coming from wisdom people prompted by them, people approaching people who may be wise so that we all can just grow and all bring you glory. And I pray, God, uh, that you would just even touch the hearts of some. Be like, man, I've been thinking about this person for a long time. I need to approach them about discipling or being discipled. And so, Lord, I just, God, we ask these things. And this is what you want. Lord, we want to glorify God by making disciples. And this is a part of that. Let us embrace the wisdom that you send to us because you send it. And Lord, may we just, may we just love joy with one another. God, we love you. You are good. In Jesus' name, amen.